This is a podcast from Meow.net. Meow! Connecting people working for cultural democracy in Europe and America, this is a culture of possibility. With Arlene Goldbard and Francois Matarasso. Welcome to episode 27 of A Culture of Possibility, a podcast about community-based arts and cultural democracy and all related things. My name is Arlene Goldbard, and I'm talking to you from Lamy, New Mexico, which is in the southwest of the United States. And I'm going to turn things over for introduction to my co-host, Francois. Hello, I'm Francois Matarasso, and I'm speaking on a sunny afternoon in Nottingham in the UK. Now, Francois and I are our guests today, and we have a topic which might be called What Can Community Arts Do? Uh, Really, it's a little bit bigger than that. We've been thinking quite a bit about the scale of the challenges that are presented to us as artists working in community in in these times and places. Um, The sense of... uh, as we talked about with Beverly Natus on the last podcast, how big the challenge of environmental healing is and how it's easy to feel daunted about the scale of what's possible to accomplish with one's art. So we wanted to take some time and explore that whole landscape of context and possibility today. And I think we're going to start with Francois sharing something with us. I think it's a, it's certainly a question that I've asked myself uh, all my working life, really, which is what effect do, does the work that community artists do have? Um, not so much the way that's often framed nowadays as social effects, you know, what good are we doing to the people we work with? I, I find that question problematic, and maybe we'll talk about that in another, in another podcast, because it, 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 uh, it kind of glides over some complicated power relations and, and ethical questions. What I'm more interested in is the whole idea of community arts, community-based arts, socially engaged practice. It's often dealing with big issues. And again, particularly today, environmental issues, social justice, uh, um, in, uh, black rights, black lives, uh, matter and and so on and uh, the the scale of the of the ideas and the issues and the political challenges that community arts often deals with and the scale of the projects themselves often seems uh, out, you know just out of out of balance um, so what we wanted to talk about was was um, how what whether there are solutions to that how people how different people approach it and particularly how we approach it and in in thinking about this I I was recently reminded of a of a an essay that I read when I was a, a student by John Berger called um, Anatomy of a Photograph uh, sorry pho- photographs of agony. That's the one in 1972, um, and it's a it's a short essay 
about the work of Don McCullen. And I had seen the photographs of Don McCullen. Though, if you don't know him, Don McCullen was a really outstanding British photographer. He's still alive, but he, he made his name with war photographs from Biafra and the Vietnam War. Uh, and I, I would see those in my parents' newspaper. Uh, very, very dramatic, powerful black and white photographs of intense suffering. And in his essay, John Berger asks, how, how is the viewer supposed to react to that image? Um, and there's a particular, there's a particular sentence I, I want to read that, that spoke to me. Um, and he, he talks about, he says, the issue of war which has caused that moment is effectively depoliticized. The picture becomes evidence of the general human condition. It accuses nobody and everybody. So what he's saying is that by presenting these photographs in a mass media newspaper, they kind of get decontextualized, which is actually what allows the the newspaper to print uh, an, an image which is at all, probably at odds with its own politics, uh, implicit politics. Um, the uh, John Bert, what I took from John Berger's essay, and and then when I started working in community arts, I I, I tried to to find ways. Is how 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 do you do more than create emotion that is that just leads to despair or anger or or how does it how do you how does it become a um uh uh, a focus for action as opposed to simply a um a feeling and um i i talking with with you arlene before i was recalling during the falklands war i was work i was a apprentice uh community arts worker in London. And I remember the the sinking of two warships, the Argentine Belgrano and the British ship uh, HMS Sheffield. And it's the first time I was a young adult, first time in my life that such things had happened um, in, in my adult kind of consciousness at that scale. Um, and I've, I in the print workshop where I was uh, working, I I designed a poster with a, a couple of um, life boys, one saying Belgrano, one saying um, uh, Sheffield, with a and above it just said I'm um, floating on a stormy sea, and it just said how many more, and then with my colleagues we had this very interesting discussion because I didn't want to leave it like that because. I thought that was exactly the kind of protest that I, I feel and I still do is a kind of indulgence. It's a, it's an emotional response. So, but <laughs> my colleagues didn't agree with me. They liked it like that. So we, we printed half of them with, um, just that. And then half I were printed with bring in the UN. At the bottom of the poster, because I, I, I thought it, I needed to say what I thought should be done, um, in order to make the, 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 
the this not simply an emotional kind of ah, it's horrible, it's terrible, isn't the world awful? Um, but actually say, yeah, the world is awful, but we have to do something about it. And that so and that came from from reading John Berger, and it, it's remained a kind of touchstone um, in in my work and thinking. And I I see it now, look for it in the work of other people, and, and it's one of the the things that I that 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 differentiates work for me. Not it's not that I'm I'm looking for simple political answers to anything, but it's whether whether the work stays at the level of simply an emotional um, uh, outrage or whether it, it finds a way to channel that outrage into a purpose, um, much as I think um, you might talk about this a bit, but in the, the podcast, the interview we just did with um, Beverly Naidu and her work, I really felt that that, that was exactly the kind of work where, where, the outrage that she and other people she was working with felt about environmental despoliation of of um, her city was channeled into into quite concrete and realistic action. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about uh, that formula too, because um, Beverly Natus was saying that she didn't necessarily know. Uh, what the impact, none of us, you know, ever know what the impact will be. But you're reminding me of something that takes me way back to the 60s, where these people came up with a formula for constructive criticism. And it was, it was a formula that was created to be between two individuals. And it was when you do X, it makes me feel whatever, and I would like you to do this instead. Um, and the point that the people who construct and it, it was it's a good formula actually because it forces you to think exactly in the terms that you're describing but the point that the people who invented it were making was that very often people don't have anything to fill in that third blank you know it pisses me off when you do this to me and i really don't like it and get out of here you know so and and you don't always know what the prescription is but i was stuck uh, but but it's good to try and i was struck by what you were saying about your poster, Falkland's poster just now, that it was how many more? Is that the, were those the three words? How many more was on the title of all the posters and yeah. the ones that I, I liked said bring in the UN as the, yeah. as the response. Well, the point I would make is how many more is completely ambiguous. The total right wing could have a how many more poster. Mm. That means how many more of this shit are we going to take before we bring in the big guns, right? Yeah. And that would and that would work perfectly. So, you know, <laughs> what you're saying is pointing us to this question of the world that we want, which is something that I know both you and I obsess about quite a bit, and I have I, I think a lot of our friends and colleagues obsess about that too. I wanted uh, we're going to link that John Berger essay on the meow.net website where we put the ancillary materials and things. And I'm going to link something I wrote too. It's a talk that I gave last spring to a group called the Community Build Association. And most of it was inspired by having read an essay by Václav Havel, who was the former president of Czechoslovakia and, you know, and its, and its uh, antecedents. 
and also an artist and a playwright. And in this essay, he has a point that really grabbed me and that I've, it's been very meaningful to me ever since. He talked about in especially this post-totalitarian, highly bureaucratized um, authoritarian state that uh, this was in the 70s when he wrote this um, in in Czechoslovakia, um, that you were asked to perform a lot of rituals of obedience to the state in different ways. An example he gave was a grocer every grocer having to put a sign in their window saying workers of the world unite as, as if this had any objective meaning, any ability to, you know, all it was, was, was saying, let me bend over, you know, and kiss your shoes by, by putting the sign up. Right. And he talked about the way that people in that society had become inured to living within the lie. So within the lie, the country has elections and you get a voice in everything and we can be free to associate with each other. And, you know, it's a whole fantasy world that exists behind, uh, in theory, uh, behind a scrim of, of the real world that people are actually living. And he talked about many of the protests that happened at that time, some of which were triggered by things like the arrest of the the banned the plastic people of the universe for music that was considered, you know, music against the state. And he talked about the the small gestures that people can make that are not explicitly in the political realm. They're not about electing candidates. They're not about, you know, passing legislation, all that kind of thing. They're just about living as if you were in a free society. And he called that living within the truth. And he noted how many people, especially young people at that time, expressed it by not so much by marching or whatever, but by things like what music they listened to, how they related to each other. These, you know, samizdat, that's a Russian word, but, you know, papers they passed about from hand to hand, how they associated with each other and so on. And while I understand that the United States is not then and there, um, it really resonated with me about our situation because I... I feel like two things need to be true. One, to make the work as effective as it can be, and God, you know, only years from now will we know how effective any particular thing was. Um, One was actually having an understanding of the context in which we're living, especially the political context. You know, what are the constraints? What are the lies that we've so internalized that we, we, we don't even bother to call them out anymore? Um, you know, where is the space for freedom? And the other is what you said, to have an idea of what it is like to live within the truth, what that freedom would be for our actions as artists and otherwise to not be constrained by, by those lies. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to post that essay too. But I think the, um, I, th- I think it would be good for us to talk a little bit about how we understand the current context in, in Europe and, and in the United States, and then talk after that about what community-based art can do to address that. Yeah, I think as you were speaking, um, um, I really like that idea of living in truth. It can be very powerful, and and when you were speaking about it, I was remembering the conversation that we had with Amber and Rainer from the Vermilion uh, Mural Collective and their their work 
their their beautiful mural they'd done during lockdown of celebrating women of colour and uh, the the traditional stories of the uh, I think Lakota people um, yes and uh, other more recent uh, aspects of of um, culture on the high street of of uh, Vermilion, or certainly in in one of the shopping streets, and in a way that that maybe to some of the people of who live in that town, that does seem quite a provocative or at least an unusual uh, image. There, it's not it's not uh, what you might be used to seeing, but it is quietly just changing the, the the feel of a place. It's it's normalizing a set of values, a set of ideas through the imagery that is in that, that mural. And I think at the at the best of community arts like the best of art. And there it's kind of quite important not in this respect that community art isn't necessarily a separate thing here but what all of this is doing is just changing the 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 kind of the 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 air that we breathe sorry it's a bad metaphor but i've got a better one which i'll offer you in a minute but um it just changes the you talked about the zeitgeist that's what it is it changes the zeitgeist um bit by bit and i i think that they're they're a very good example of a group of people mostly young women uh living in truth um to 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 do what they can uh where they where they are um and let, let me just tell listeners for a second, that was our second podcast in the series, <laughs> and it was almost exactly two years ago today. It was February wow. 2021. Um, and Francois talking about Amber Hansen and Reina Hernandez, and if you go to the meow.net website, which is M-I-A-A-W.net, you'd be able to listen to that podcast and see some links to the work he's talking about. Mm. Um. Let me, let me, I, I touched on um, another metaphor. One of the things that I'm, I've thought a lot about over the years is still in this logic of what difference did we make? Um, so, so when I, I published a book about five years ago, four years ago, called A Restless Art with a slightly cheeky subtitle called How Participation Won and Why It Matters. And I I called it that because I have felt that it's been a battle all my working life, you know, to make the case for people being able to be involved in art on their own terms. Um, but I do think that that in the, the, the 40 years that I've been doing that, uh, participation has won, which is not the same thing as saying we've won. Um, I think participation has won 
for reasons that are to do with social change, to do with rising education, to do with rising prosperity, democracy, um, all kinds of other things. In other words, we, we were swimming with the tide of social changes. Um, <coughs> that has, we're now in a, in a different situation than we were when I began, when you began, and with new, new problems that come from the fact that we've won problems of appropriation and misunderstanding and misinterpretation. Um, so what I, the, my metaphor for all of this is, is the, it's the difference between the waves and the tides. Often, you know, we're human lives are, are, I, I think of us as, as being little boats bouncing about on the, on the surface of the sea up there in the sunshine. And it's, it's sometimes it's lovely. And then sometimes it's stormy and we get blown in this way and that. And we're desperately trying to make progress. Actually, you know, 40 years later, we discover that we've just been swept along by the tide and we we didn't get there at all on our own steam. We just, some much bigger forces than us have moved us in, in some ways in, in the right direction. But also, and maybe we'll come back to that, I think paradoxically, there's been a huge tide in the other direction in, during our, our working lives. And we're balancing that that paradox so sometimes like with with the work in vermilion you just you just do what you you do what's right you you do what you you believe is right what is living in truth and you you can only hope that uh your your work is in line with the tide and going in the going to be carried along in the in the right place yeah. And, you know, where where is the work directed is an interesting question for me, because I, I think quite a few people think of it in terms of getting a message out. By no means universal. There's a lot of impulses. But the sense of, can I alert people to, say, um, a climate crisis? and engage them somehow in doing something about that might be a, a driving an intention on, on a number of community artists' part, um, which is imp- legitimate and important. I'm not in any way uh, uh, criticizing that. But the more, the longer I live, the more I go on, the more I think that the real thing that we're, we're messing with is under that. And it's the wiring of the human mind, our cognitive process, our way of being present in the world, um, which, which I would go back to learning to live within the truth instead of living within the lies. Because, you know, when I I read, the, I, I wake up in the morning and I, I read the headlines in the New York Times on my phone. Bad, bad, bad habit, but there it is and I do it. And... Uh, you know, very often I come away thinking, people can't think. There's there's story after story about people who are literally not thinking. And I mean, it's a Marjorie Taylor Greens, you know, the wacko right in this country for sure. But it's not just the Marjorie Taylor Greens. It's people 
in positions of power who are operating bureaucratic programs of some kind in a community that have a negative impact and are quite content to go on doing it forever because they have no social imagination of what would be possible instead of what they're doing and they have no sense of um of being willing to take the risk of breaking the consensus, you know, of the, of the emperor's beautiful clothing to, to point out his nakedness. So this sense of, you know, if when I think back in our conversation with Beverly, but not just Beverly, just a lot of, of the different ones, you know, Jade Campbell and Aaron Walcon from Doorstep Arts, we talked to them like a year and a half ago. Gary Stewart, when he was talking, I, I, I had an interview with him and he was talking about the work he was doing in the um, favelas in, in Brazil and so forth. It's not really a political program. It's a, it is a program. And the underlying intention of the program is to invite people, you're saying participation one, I'm going to say uh, to invite people to be co-creators, to understand themselves in mm -hmm. the world as co-creators, not only of... Mm -hmm you know, objects, performances, whatever, but co-creators of their own life, co-creators of their own community, mm -hmm. co-creators of the larger Absolutely. political landscape. And to have that penny drop, right? To, to, to go yeah. from, I mean, this is for classic Paulo Freire, right? To go from an object of history in which stuff is being made around you, decisions are being made, you don't really have a voice in anything, to being a subject in history, to understanding yourself, whatever I'm doing here, I may not be able to move mountains with my own hands, but I'm co-creating the world that we want to inhabit. I think that's the true purpose of the work. I agree. Um, but let me, let me challenge you on the idea that people can't think. I, I fundamentally believe that everybody can think. We live in a world where people are, where it's in the interests of some people that lots of other people should not be equipped to think, they should not be educated to think, they should not be given time to think, they should be not be given the resources to think. And the, the trap that's community arts can sometimes fall into is is to try to replace one set of slogans one set of um uh simplistic answers like the ones that that uh the the hard right is currently parading with with an alternative set so it's the it's you just trying to get them to think like you whereas actually the <laughs> the reason empowerment, I believe, is at the heart of community art, as you've just said, is because it's not about what people end up thinking. It's that they are thinking for themselves. Because, and everybody, you know, the, the reason I always come back to a human rights-based approach is because I don't know any of this, I don't know anything any better than anyone else. I don't know, and I have no more right to, to say what should happen than any one of the other 7 billion people on this planet. What matters is that I work out what I, what I think, what I believe, what I, and try and act there as far as I can, taking account of what other people are thinking as well and so on. And that's, that's empowerment. That's what community art can help people do that process of co-creation you're doing something you're creating something with other people and therefore you're engaging with their vision of something 
and you're learning from them and they're learning from you. And together you're finding some kind of common ground, something that makes sense to you all and that you can have that sense of uh, shared shared enterprise in, in what you finally made. But the crucial thing is that it's, it's, um, that it's a process for thinking and the, the, for, for imagining, <laughs> for co-creating your own reality, not in, not in a delusional way, not in, you know, to, oh, I just think the sky's pink and that's because I like pink much better than blue, which is kind of what some of, our politicians seem to, to, to think of the world nowadays, but that you accept that your interpretations of reality are your interpretations of reality. And that's what you, what comes from working with other people in co-creation or one of the things that can come from that. Mm -hmm. If, if, if there's a, a foundation and a structure of equity and reciprocity, um, that underpins working with, because as you and I know, sometimes working with is you do what I tell you, and and we're we're working together. You know, I think I think we're also approaching uh, a distinction of between ideology and thinking, because uh, and I want to put the word that is the fulcrum in the middle between the two of those, and that word is questions, because uh, here you, in, in an ideological framework, you have settled answers. You know, there are things everybody knows. They're not really open to be contested in a serious way, etc. A lot of what passes for thinking in our world today is actually the repetition of ide ideological p positions like that. When questions are privileged um, beyond answers, which everyone's always talking about how community-based arts work is a process oriented enterprise and not a product oriented enterprise, even though people make things. Um, so when questions and process are given their rightful place, then you have that freedom to see yourself as, as in co-creation, to see yourself as a, a citizen of the world uh, and, and to have equal ability with everyone else to have your say. I want to add something to it though, because you and I are talking about thinking and you and I are very thinky, right? We are thinky individuals. So I just want to say uh, we're really talking about embodied awareness as well as cognitive awareness, as well as spiritual awareness, as well as emotional awareness. That one of the things that's true in almost every story that people told us over these two years is that... Um, it's okay to feel and to be aware of your body and the information it's receiving and what it's doing, as well as to use everything from the neck up to think about stuff. And it's okay even to have an experience of connection and relationship that I would call spiritual, you know, that goes beyond the, the purely material, that, that this full way of being tends to be allowed in the context of the people who are doing the work you know, with full heart and, f and, and full integrity. And again, I think that full way of being is a picture of the world we want to help bring, bring about and exists in contrast to this constricted way of being in which only certain ways of thinking, only certain ways of existing um, 
lots of taboos about where emotions or where embodied reality can come into, you know, the social context. That that shrunken personhood, you know, that we're being asked to inhabit, that contrast is really important. And I've always felt, I mean, especially when people are working with kids, sometimes I feel if if kids are working with a community artist who has that awareness and has that big picture and is just expressing it, you know, not lecturing necessarily, but manifesting it in the way that you relate together, sometimes it might be their first experience of a fully integrated human being who's able to bring all those capabilities to bear in the same moment and seeing that someone can be like that is an aha moment that can open up the world for people so you know there's a lot of different ways to look at that 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 some person who's poo-pooing with it we're saying could be like this is very minor you know this is an individual moment of awareness but i don't call that minor i think i think it has a ripple effect i think it's a pebble dropped in a pond i think a moment can ripple out and infuse the whole society absolutely and i think what you've just said is also important in as a as another reminder of why both you and i place diversity in in its broadest truest sense at the heart of everything that we do there is not one way of doing good work there is not one way of being a person there is, you know, there's an infinitude of ways. And, and it's by meeting people who don't think but are much better at feeling or moving or drawing or um, coming up with snappy rhythms or whatever it is that could be happening in a community arts that you start to discover your own place in the richness of the world and you start to value those what Howard Gardner called those multiple intelligences. We have a, a world that values certain intelligences far too highly and other intelligences barely at all. And <coughs> it's, a, it, it's a, at the heart of I, the kind of community arts that I believe in is that it values what everyone is able to bring. So that idea that everyone can be an artist if they want to. I've never said everyone is an artist in the sense that it's it's a choice. I'll never be a footballer. I could be a footballer, be a really, really, really bad footballer. But the point is I don't want to be a footballer. So it's, it would be silly to say everyone's a footballer. But everyone has that potential if, if they choose. And the crucial thing about the the work that I think you and I value is that is that those questions, that openness, that 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 enjoyment maybe enjoyment is is maybe enjoyment only comes with time, but at least tolerance first of uncertainty and then enjoyment of it. The fact it's actually it's really fine not to know. <laughs> not to know what's gonna happen in the next five minutes not to know what the answer to this, not to know whether this picture's any good. It's, I, I must say, as I get older, I am enjoying not having to make judgments about things. I used to be, I used to be so quick to make judgments when I was young. It was terrible. 
<laughs> it's one of the advantages of getting older. <laughs> you calm down. It's kind of universal, right? You realize yeah. I, I'm not going to go to war over the question of whether this should be red or blue, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm seeing kind of a big picture take shape in my mind here about um, awarenesses that are important to hold. And and one of them, I would say, is is what we've just now been talking about, the awareness that when the work is done well with integrity and full presence, it acts on a lot of different levels at the same time. You, you can't control them. You can't know what they all are. You can't even necessarily describe all of them. But you know that there's something in spiritually and otherwise enlarging to intrinsically to, to that moment of, of full presence and connection that's possible for people in these in these settings where, where the work is done with those values in mind. And, you know, just as a sidebar there, you and I have done like talks like this on evaluation and stuff in the past, and we're always quetching about the same thing, which is that um, the people who are running these evaluation programs or assessment programs, they don't value any of what we're saying that the true essence and, and, and meaning is they're looking for these corollary effects like, you know, school test scores and artist-client contact hours and stuff. So let's push them off the ledge over there. But the other thing to say, in addition to being aware of the magic, really, Francois, of all of these things operating in the same context at the same time, and this is a, a giant bugbear of mine, is to have a big picture, community artists, because all these folks um, of the... Um, you know, 26 ep episodes before this one that we did have a big picture. It may not be identical, but they have an understanding of the larger context of the world in, in which they're operating, the forces that are operating for and against them, the two tides that are, that are pushing mm -hmm. each way. And they're not necessarily, you know, going into a setting with people and giving like their, their, you know, uh, CV of political values and, and positions or anything, but because they have a sense of the larger context in which the small thing that they're able to do is operating, it, it more meaning is embedded in it, more meaning accrues to it, more possible power accrues to it, and they have more tools to navigate the situations that they find themselves in because it's not just a series of techniques. It's a series of, it's techniques for sure and understandings that illuminate and expand the value of those techniques. So, you know, I, I'm always telling people that they should have a big picture and I'm sure uh, they're very tired of hearing me say it. But the reason that I do it is I have sadly seen too many situations in which people have a program, they have a, you know, I have a method, they have a set of workshops and classes that they do or whatever it is. It's pretty much the same every time. They are trying to do it well. They care about the people that they're working with. But for them, it's it's no different than any other job, you know? Yeah. And that, I think, weakens the work. Yeah. Well, we didn't answer our question, but then... Maybe we're never going to. <laughs> we <laughs> we came up with some more good questions. Well, we gave and some think... answers. We gave some answers. <laughs> I know. 
we said, what could it do? We said it could have this impact on people, that it could make them understand themselves as co-creators, that it could have yeah. a ripple effect. So don't say we didn't have any. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You're, you're definitely the, um, the, the more uh, optimistic of us. <laughs> Shall we say, or no? The, no, not the more. The, you're the braver of us. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit more. I'm a bit more circumspect in what we're doing, but I like it anyway. Okay, well. <laughs> okay, well, that was That's... the Francois and Arlene show for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and next we will... week, next month, tell us. We're going to back, go back to our series of interviews next month. We are, and and I'm just uh, checking scheduling, but we're hoping to meet with several people from Roadside Theatre in Appalachia. Just published two books under the title Art in a Democracy. Um, and that should be really fun and interesting. And assuming I get the recording time figured out today, we'll see people in March with that, uh, excuse me, in uh, April with that. Great. I'll look forward to that very much. Thanks, Aline. Thanks, Francois. Now that you've heard the podcast, you can go to the website to find out more details, including references and links. The website's at meow.net. That's M-I-A-A-W dot net. See you there.